George Soros's New York District Attorney Trumps Trump with trumped-up charges, today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. America First Insurance Group. Insuring your life, protecting your liberty. It's so important for our audience to know that there's an insurance group out there that is working in such a way that any profits that they might donate are not going to go to liberal causes. America First Insurance Group. We have contact information in the show notes. So if you want to quote, check out our show notes. Welcome to this week's News and Review, sponsored by Forever 17. Co-founded by entrepreneurs Martha and Tammy, Forever 17 has created natural elixirs and products that help the skin and turn back the clock on the aging process. This includes facial serums, body butters, and balms. Get these products today at forever17.net. That's forever17.net. And see all the products that Martha and Tammy have created for you. Now, as you know, this past week there was a shooting in Tennessee that killed several children and staff of a Christian school by a transgender female armed to the hilt. Now, I'm not going to go into much detail regarding this because I'm not giving the killer who, by the way, was shot dead on sight, I'm not going to give this whole movement, this killer, the fame that so many crave. But to say that the blood had not even been cleaned up before this became a politicized event would be a gross understatement. The camps are circling the wagons, and it's not pretty. But for those children and staff members, our prayers are with you. Now, in our first, what I would call sad, but not necessarily shocking story of the day, The importance of traditional American values has plummeted in the U.S. in recent decades, according to a new poll from the Wall Street Journal. So in regards to patriotism, let's compare 1998 to today. In 98, 70% said patriotism was very important compared to only 38% today. That is an unbelievable and horrible decline. And in regards to religious faith, 62% of people in 1998 said it was very important, and only 39% today. Well, it's no wonder that we're seeing some of the things that we're seeing. It's no wonder that we're seeing even the shootings that I just mentioned above. Is it really a weapons problem, or is this a heart problem? Worse, in this survey, a plurality of respondents reported that the U.S. has not gone nearly far enough in promoting equality between men and women accepting people who are gay, lesbian, or bisexual, or promoting racial and ethnic diversity in business and universities. I would call this a sad day when I read that story. In our climate activist segment, we turn to John Kerry. This is a simple story of rules for thee, not for me. We learn that he is gallivanting all over the world in a private jet, as well as others preaching on climate and saving the environment. Enough said. In our woke segment, we actually have several stories. First, there's a teacher who's warning based on what she's seen that these DEI programs are highly lucrative for colleges 
So what does that actually mean? Colleges are charging, and I actually think this either came from Harvard or Stanford, they're charging up to $12,000 for DEI courses that are taught completely by activists. And then they often turn around and offer these to groups like corporations. The next story, actually, we go to the Supreme Court. They've been asked to rule on a Washington state law that bans therapists from encouraging patients against transitioning to a different gender. I call this the anti-conversion therapy law. And in fact, the Ninth Circuit has already ruled that this law is okay. Well, Brian Tingley, he's a licensed marriage and family therapist in that state, and he claims the law is unconstitutional because it prohibits certain private client counselor conversations on sexual orientation and gender. So let's be clear, regardless of what the law actually says, the application of this is only allowing a one-way discussion about gender transitioning. In other words, you can't counsel someone that God made them male and female. That would be completely illegal. It does allow counseling conversations that aim to steer young people towards a transgender identity, but prohibits conversations that aim to help that same person come to comfort or to return to their biological sex, according at least what we hear from the Alliance Defense Group. In Canada, you will go to jail if you do exactly this. I'm very interested in seeing how this progresses. And there's also a story that the Presbyterian Church Assembly is debating whether to urge state and federal governments to renounce the sin of transgender procedures on minors. They say that it completely rejects science. Well, I agree. It's nice to see a more formal approach by a large body addressing this issue. And in our last woke story, I'm going to talk about TRAN, T-R-A-N. So this stands for the Trans Radical Activist Network. And so apparently they were hosting a transgender day of vengeance. But unfortunately, as they put it, it got canceled due to concerns about safety. So what in the world is this? I'm curious when you use a term like vengeance, how that doesn't incite violence, because that's exactly what they said. Their event was about unity and not inciting violence. Well, the reason they said it was canceled is because they were getting death threats in reaction to the story about the Nashville shooting. And I, I get that. We, should, we certainly should not promote violence, those of us who are very angry about that shooting. But when you host an event that's called the Day of Vengeance, I really question your motives. And I share this because I think it's incredibly noteworthy. The White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, made the comment in regards to the Christian school shooting in Tennessee that there are actually two sets of victims. There's the victims, which were the kids and staff who were actually killed as a result of this violence. But she also stated the other set of victims was the transgender community. And this narrative has been playing in the media throughout the week. In other words, the reason that this person committed this horrible act is because of the bigotry and hatred and religious radicals that caused the transgender community to be ostracized. That's all that what led to this. It's really not the criminal who's responsible for their criminal act. It's everybody else's fault. Conversely, as a conservative Christian, I feel pretty much ostracized, and you don't see me looking for trans schools in which to commit acts of violence. I think this is a very weak argument. I also saw this this past week in a spiritual call to action, a message on Telegram from Amir Sarfati, an Israeli Christian with deep connections in his country's political, social, and military fabrics. And I just wanted to share this with you. This is what he said. We are witnessing an unprecedented level of demonic attack on civilian societies. The masses are falling for the satanic agenda, some for ideological reasons, but mostly from fear. The number of people that can clearly see and identify this as a spiritual attack is declining sharply. Remember what I just said earlier about faith no longer being an important part of our society? That actually rings true in this because people are not looking at these things 
through spiritual eyes. Willamere continues, church pulpits are defiled by the same demonic spirit in the name of love and acceptance. And the media justifies the murder of innocent lives and victimizes the murderers themselves. Political mayhem is leading to civil unrest in various parts of the world. If you haven't noticed yet, this world is becoming toxic and hateful and violent in levels that we have not seen before. If in history we used to see wars between empires, we now see wars between family and people. Amir urges us to put on the full armor of God seen in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. Amir, you hit the nail on the head, and thank you very much. In our last story of the day, we go to New York, and this is a very important story because it ties directly into today's podcast topic. So a New York City garage worker, Musa Daira, is charged with attempted murder after shooting an armed thief. Now let's dive into the backstory a little bit about this. This thief was armed and was looking into cars trying to break into them. The garage worker actually confronted him once outside of the garage because he had a bag and he assumed that he had pulled those things out of cars and had dumped them in the bag. Well, the thief pulled a gun and actually shot Musa in the stomach and another bullet grazed his ear. So keep this in mind. This is the innocent bystander who's trying to stop a theft. He's now been shot. But he was able to wrestle the gun away from the thief and he shot the thief in the chest. Now, the thief has been charged with attempted murder, assault, and criminal possession of a weapon. Well, guess what Musa was charged with? You got it. The exact same charges. Attempted murder, assault, and criminal possession of a weapon. Are you kidding me? Well, even more interesting, by the way, this happened in Manhattan, and that's important. Even more interesting, this happened last July as well in a similar story involving a man named Jose Alba. And he was charged with murder when an angry store customer attacked him behind the counter. In self-defense, Hosea Alba stabbed the assailant, killing him in the process. Jose, for his self-defense, ended up in Rikers. He spent six days in jail before the district attorney dropped those charges. In large part, because of the incredible public outcry of not pursuing these charges against an innocent bystander. In both of these cases, who was the district attorney that brought those charges? Yes, Alvin Bragg, the same DA that's going after Trump. The same DA who has been accused of targeting law-abiding citizens and has made a name for himself in lowering felony charges against criminals to just misdemeanors, which, by the way, is the exact opposite of what he's doing with Trump. He's trying to take misdemeanor charges and upgrading them to felonies. Just thought that was very important context for today's topic. For this week's news and review, that's a wrap. If you've even been taking a breath this last week, you now know that a New York grand jury voted to indict President Trump on charges related to paying off a porn star for her silence during the 2016 election and campaign finance violations. Supposedly, these charges coupled together potentially equal a felony in the state of New York, and already the vultures are circling. Nancy Pelosi is completely roasted because she sent a tweet saying Trump has the right to prove his innocence at trial, except for one little thing. In our country, you're actually innocent before proven guilty. So really what she should have said is the district attorney has the right to try to prove his guilt at trial, because until that happens, he is innocent until proven guilty. So when you think about this indictment, let's dive into some of the meat of that, because we really want to know what's inside of this indictment. What is driving 
this DA? Well, let's take a look. It involves the following. Gathering and transmitting and sharing of classified information, improperly storing classified information, using public money for campaign purposes, using government, or at least official government resources for personal campaign purposes, obstruction in front of committees and departments and agencies, falsifying records, destruction of records, even potential wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. It includes lying in hearings and lying repeatedly in congressional investigations, misleading investigators, even a lack of candor when talking to authorities, using the official position in the government to target political enemies, collusion and concealment of records, even criminal leaks to media, improper disposal of government resources using foreign money and influence for campaigns, invoking quid pro quos with foreign entities and entering into treaties illegally, potentially even committing perjury, improper foreign cash contributions, tax evasion, improper real estate applications, money laundering, insider trading, violating health mandates, mass mandates, lockdown mandates. Folks, this list is long. No wonder he's in trouble. Oh, wait, did I say Trump's charges? No, I'm sorry. What I meant, these are all the charges that have never been filed against Hillary Clinton, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and Nancy Pelosi. Quite the laundry list, wouldn't you say? Hmm? Well, surely Trump's indictment must be much, much worse. Well, we'll dive into the issue, specifically into Trump's indictment, when we return. Happy Easter! From all of us at the Kingdom Patriot Group, we'd like to wish you... Happy Easter! Happy Easter. He is risen. He has risen indeed. Okay. I am thinking that if all of those crimes were not charged against all those people, then what Trump did must be beyond egregious. It must be so serious that the district attorney had no choice to file these charges. Well, folks, you're going to be surprised. The act that Trump committed is actually quite simple. It really is. But turning it into a crime is quite complicated. And I think you'll agree as we go through this. So first, what did Trump actually do? Well, if you go to the very beginning, we're talking about sometime in the early 2000s or mid-2000s that Trump had an affair. Trump denies that. We don't know if it's true, but that would have been the first act. Then fast forward 10 years, and in October of 2016, Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, made a $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels who was an adult film actress who had claimed she had an affair with Trump. Well, in this review, we're not covering the veracity of that claim, whether or not the affair actually occurred. But that's where it all started, or at least where all this started. We're only talking about the fact that she made the claim, and Michael Cohen paid for her to stay silent. And remember, she made the claim, or I should say the payment was made in October of 2016. And what do we remember from that? That was right before the election. So before we go any further, who exactly is Michael Cohen? Well, Michael Cohen, even by those closest to him, describe him as a serial liar. In fact, one of those folks said he is only capable of telling the truth when it suits or benefits his agenda. Well, this Michael Cohen has been convicted of campaign violations, perjury, tax evasion, defamation, and in fact, in 2018, was sentenced to three years in prison and a half a million dollar fine, and then in 2019 was actually disbarred 
from practicing law in the state of New York. It's this Michael Cohen who is the prosecutor's chief witness. Okay, the actual act. Remember, Michael Cohen paid Stormy Daniels $130,000 to be silent, while the Trump campaign apparently paid Michael Cohen $420,000 to cover that cost, including a bonus, make sure that his taxes were taken care of, etc. But the egregious act by the Trump campaign is that the campaign didn't account for this on their financial books the way that they should have. In other words, the accounting mechanics of this. They didn't account for this on their general ledger as hush money, but instead they called it legal fees. Why? Because Michael Cohen is an attorney, and they paid an attorney. Well, did they hide the payment? Nope. Did the campaign lie about the payment actually being made to Cohen? Nope. They just didn't properly classify it in their accounting or in their financial statements, according to the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg. In New York, falsifying business records is a misdemeanor, and that's what is being claimed here. So you get a simple slap on the wrist, pay your fine, you're done. But no, wait, there's more. If you falsify your business records in order to commit a crime, well, now this can be upgraded to a felony. Well, what was the crime that Trump's campaign was committing? Supposedly, campaign finance laws. But wait, I thought this was just an accounting error. Oh, it gets even better. For the campaign to pay hush money to Stormy Daniels, that's not actually a crime at all. This was done to protect the reputation of Trump in the final weeks before the presidential election. No, this is all in how you view the payment. You see, when you make a contribution to a campaign, it has to be properly recorded. If you try to have someone give your campaign money that was over the limits and then hide it, it would be illegal. So how in the world does this apply to this situation? Well, Stormy Daniels didn't make a financial contribution to the Trump campaign, so it, that doesn't apply. But that's where you're wrong if you're sitting in Alvin Bragg's chair. Bragg is claiming that Stormy Daniels actually made what's called an in-kind donation. What? Yep, an in-kind donation is a non-monetary donation that someone makes. For example, like a marketing person who lends their skills and spends 10 hours a week helping a campaign for free maybe building their website and doing that kind of thing. Well, there was no money that changed hands, but there is value in that type of situation. That's called an in-kind donation. And I know that you are still not connecting the dots. This George Soros district attorney, Alvin Bragg, is claiming that Stormy Daniels not, repeat, not going public with her story was actually a benefit to Trump's campaign. Therefore, it benefited the campaign. Yeah, you heard that correct. By Stormy Daniels not going public, this was an act of an in-kind donation to the campaign. So let's go in reverse. Daniels makes the claim she's had an affair with Trump. Michael Cohen pays her to stay quiet. No crime yet. Trump campaign pays Michael Cohen to cover these expenses. By the way, this was denied by Trump, but still no crime. Trump's bean counters picks a general ledger code and chooses legal fees instead of hush money. Ah, crime number one. This payment was a quid pro quo because Trump actually benefited from Daniels telling the story, or actually in this case benefited from Daniels not telling her story publicly, but the Trump campaign concealed that quote-unquote in-kind contribution. That's crime number two. And finally, the connection we've all been waiting for, Trump knew about it. According to Michael Cohen, again, the avowed serial liar. I'm honestly, I, I'm not even sure this attorney should be practicing law in New York. 
The entire case, the entire charge, this entire indictment appears to be based on the breaking of a campaign finance law, which by the way is a federal offense, not a New York offense. So if that's the case, in order for the DA's case to stick, the feds are going to have to charge Trump for campaign finance violations. Well, let's keep following the rabbit trail. What is the likelihood the feds are going to go after Trump for this quote-unquote campaign violation for an in-kind contribution? After all, this is critical. It is pivotal to the DA's case. Well, I'm glad you asked. The feds in the Southern District of New York actually pursued this against Trump years ago, and they completely dropped the case. They said there's nothing there. Wait, 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 wait a second. Isn't Alvin Bragg's entire case against Trump predicated on having violated federal campaign laws and the Fed saying, we're going to come after you? Yeah, you you heard that correctly. That is correct. And the Feds have already said, yeah, we don't think so. And they dropped the case. Now, it is possible, however highly unlikely, that Bragg is going to prosecute Trump under New York's campaign finance law. But this has never been done before. New York State has never prosecuted a single individual for campaign contributions that involved a federal campaign. This is crazy, but even if he did, he still has to prove that the benefit to Trump's campaign by Stormy Daniels remaining silent is both tangible and quantifiable, and that it would have actually cost him the election had she not stayed silent. And even then, this is completely sketchy. Do you see what an abuse of power this is? Do you see how weak this legal argument is? New York City is wrought with crime. It is in a budget nightmare. And this is what the Manhattan DA is spending his time on? If I was a New Yorker, I would be furious. In fact, Bragg is known to be very soft on crime. So if you're a Republican president with a past including a potential affair with an adult actress, you should be very, very afraid. But if you're a minority and a first-time offender committing murder, you can feel pretty confident that you're going to walk. I mean, people, isn't this an example of call what is evil good and what is good evil? Even former Attorney General Anthony Barr says the Trump indictment is designed to spoil the Republican shot at the White House in 2024. He uses strong words to call this incredibly weak, politically motivated, and an absolute abuse of power. In fact, many have said there's really no going back from this. We have completely entered into banana republic status. Politically, the Democrats believe this will galvanize Trump's base and that it will propel him to win the GOP nomination. That's actually what they hope, because they believe that he will get crushed in the general election. Time will tell. Honestly, as a person, I'm not that big of a Trump fan, but God did use him in some very mighty ways. But I am a fan of justice, and this appears like a political hack job done through a state prosecutor's office. And if proven true, the prosecutor should be held accountable and sent to jail without passing go and without collecting $200. I'm also reminded in this story because of how I felt just reading the facts. Again, forget all the emotion. Forget what you think about Trump. When you think about the facts, the stretch that this DA is going to to try to prosecute Trump, it just made me very angry, but it also made me feel hopeless. Like, is there any justice left? And then I was reminded that Easter is actually coming up, and that's where my eternal hope really resides. I get so angry that people who should be in jail walk free without even being prosecuted, and then others who are on the wrong political spectrum end up on the wrong end of a path of destruction. But ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ truly 
is our only eternal hope. We are reminded that Jesus went to the cross for our sins, that we might spend eternity with our Father in heaven. Even in the midst of disappointment, injustice, anger, and frustration, let's remember what Christ said. He said, in this world, you will face trials and tribulations, but take heart and be of good cheer because I have overcome the world, robbed it of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Until next time. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid and special thanks to our sponsor, America First Insurance Group. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.